we're pumped, we're excited. I'm ready for Christmas in Elgin. I'm ready for what God's gonna do. And I'm ready for what God's gonna do in the house today. Anybody with me? Amen. Woo! Have you, um, have you ever... All right, so Christmas is coming up, right? And I want you to think back to when you were a child. Maybe think back to your children this year, right? If you talk about Christmas coming up, they automatically get excited, don't they? Like when you talk about Christmas, you talk about Santa Claus. My, my little girl was so excited that Santa Claus was going to be here today. Like her expectations were through the roof, right? You start, about, start talking about Christmas and you look at a child and here's the number one question that I wish we'd all quit asking kids. And it's this, what do you want for Christmas? Because it seems like every time you ask it, it gets a little bit bigger, right? It gets a little bit higher. Now, it's good for parents because if you notice, every parent is leaning in because they want to know what they need to tell Santa to get their child for Christmas. And the thing is, it's like there's expectations that go into Christmas, right? I want to tell you this. Expectations drive everything. Expectation, t- expectations drive everything. Expectations drive how we experience something. Expectations drive how we receive something. Expectations drive how we don't receive some things. Let me, let me give you an example, right? So if I would have came up last Sunday at the end of the message, right? And I would have started telling you about this Sunday's message. And on social media this week, I would have promoted it this way. Last Sunday on social media, all this stuff. I would have said, hey, you need to be at Radiate Church this week because we're giving away a car. We're giving away a car, right? We're going to give away a Ford Raptor this week, right? And so many of you would have probably been a little skeptical. You probably would have been like, I know Pastor Brandon and there's something up his sleeve. I'm a little skeptical, right? And then there's some that would have seen that and they would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Radiate Church. I'm going to win me a car, right? And hopefully one day we can give away cars or whatever we need to do. I don't know. You get a car, and you get a car, and I'll have my own talk show, apparently. But we <laughs> And I would have told you that, and half the crowd would have been skeptical, or maybe 90% of the crowd, and then 10% would have been expectant that they could win the car. And then there's some that would have been like, I don't ever win anything. It'd be just my luck, you know? And, and, and that's okay. Neither one of those is wrong. But if I would have told you that, and then I would have walked up here today with a Hot Wheels Ford Raptor, Here's what would have happened. Some of you in the crowd would have been pumped because you'd have been like, I knew it. He was doing something silly. I knew it. I was skeptical and I was right. Right. And then the other part of the crowd would have been upset because they'd have been like, man, I came expecting a real car to be given away. What are you doing? And so you would have walked into the service with a preconceived idea of what could take place in the service. And that would, have re- that would have changed or that would have created how you received what was about to be done. If I would have said that, some people in the religious folk, maybe I was doing it for a good reason because the Lord told me to give away a car. But some religion, religious people would have been like, oh, he's just doing that for show. And so their preconceived idea would have created an expectation of negativity towards whatever we were doing, no matter what it was. Are you with me? And so we have to understand that expectations create what we experience. They create what we receive. And, and, and the problem is, is your expectations create that, but disappointment is unmet expectations. And so what if our expectations, have you ever been to this place where your expectations are up here? And then when you get to the thing that you're expecting, 
it doesn't live up to what you expected, and so you get there and you're what? Disappointed. You're let down. You're frustrated. Just like the people that would have came in expecting me to give away a real car and I walked up with the Hot Wheels. They'd have been like, wait a second. You got me. You know, because disappointment is unmet expectations. And so we have to understand that our expectations are going to be on one of two levels. They're either going to be on a spiritual level or a natural level. And most of the times on the natural level, our expectations are determined by past experiences. And so most of the time, you'll have an expectation of someone that you probably shouldn't have based on what has happened in the past, either with that person or someone else. Are you with me? And so you may be skeptical towards someone that comes into your life in a friendship role because of the way somebody else in a friendship role treated you. And so your expectation has been skewed based on that. And most of the time, if I'm going to be honest, we put too much expectation on people and not enough on God. Let me say that again. Most of us put too much expectation on a person and not enough on God. But see, the natural expectations work like this. They are based on, my expectations will be based upon what has happened to me in the past with this person or someone like this person. Spiritual expectations are based on what can happen in the future. So here's where we're at. We have to understand that the power of expectation is, is it determines everything. But if our expectations are too low, then we walk into a service with our hands in our pockets and a scowl on our face because God's not big enough to change my mood. If I walk into a service to where, or I walk into the, a prayer time to where I have an expectation that, God, you need to speak to me within the next three minutes because I don't have time to sit here for ten minutes and listen to you. I got kids to feed. I got beds to make. I got work to go to. And I got things I need to do. And so our expectation is a hurried prayer time. And then we get upset. And then whenever God doesn't meet our expectations, we lower them. But what if it's not God not meeting expectations? What if it's God not meeting our plan? And so we confuse expectation with plan. Hey, God, that's not how I wanted you to come through. And so therefore now I'm lowering everything that I feel about you because I don't feel like you're listening to me and you're not listening to me because you're not doing what I want you to do. And because you're not doing what I want you to do, you obviously don't care about me when God's plan is not to care, is not to care about what you want him to do. God's plan is for you to submit to his will. You with me? It's not about him going, hey, let me do what you want me to do and I'll show you that I care. It's about, hey, let me give my son to show you that I care so that you can submit to my will because my will is greater than your desire. Expectations, expectations drive, drive everything. But here's the beautiful thing. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, God says this. He says that um, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could think or imagine or change it like this. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could expect. Hear me today. Hear me today. God does not want to meet your expectations. He wants to exceed them. And so what that means is, is that oftentimes he has to throw your expectations out the window to get his desire in. It's not that he's not meeting your desire because he doesn't want to. It's because he wants to exceed what you expect. And so therefore, some things have to shift and the corners have to look different than what you planned for them to look just to get there. Are you following me today? Expectations are important. And here's, the here's part of the problem in church today is we come to church expecting a, a good merit award and not an experience with God. And for most of us, our prayer, to, our worship, our prayer, our giving, our ex, our our, our our external uh, exhibit of worship in a service is very demonstrative of that. Come on, let's just be challenged for a minute. 
Because if I walk in in a bad mood, so I have a low expectation, God's not bigger than the mood that I'm in, so I'm just going to stand there, hands in pocket, arms crossed, and all I'm worrying about is the fact that my wife told me something on the way in that I wasn't happy about. And I want you to know something. My expectation of God is bigger than a mood. My expectation of God is bigger than a feeling. My expectation of God is bigger than that. Why? Because I know who he is and what happens to me doesn't determine who he is. Who he is determines what happens to me. And so I got to understand expectations. Expectations matter. And, and most of us know the, the Christmas story, right? Most of us know the whole story. I'm not going to go through the entire thing today. But I am going to read Matthew chapter 2 in just a moment because there's, an, there's forgotten individuals or overlooked individuals in the Christmas story. We talked about one last week and the innkeeper and the person that owned the house and made room for Mary and Joseph and for the birth of the Savior. But there's also a, a few more in there in this one. And the Christmas story is an interesting story. It's actually a really messy story. It's actually a really uh, 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 crazy story if you want to look at it through unbiased eyes. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that um, the wise men in the story are actually a really overlooked portion of the story because we'll sing songs about them and we'll talk about them and they're a part of our plays and our skits and, and, this, and, the, and, and all that stuff in our Christian realm. But the truth of the matter is the wise men play a really important part of the story in fact they were never really called wise men they they were called magi they were called uh, sometimes wise men they were also called you've heard the song we three kings of orient are the truth are uh, truth is uh they are also called the kings of orient and here's the thing, a lot of times we think, oh, these are believers from a religious circle that come in and they're chasing Jesus because nobody that doesn't believe in Jesus would be chasing the star. And the truth is, they weren't believers. They weren't believers in God. They were pagan astrologers. All they did was read the signs in the stars of the sky and figure out what was going to happen next and how this was going to... In fact, they were very, very... When they showed up in the kingdoms, it was a big deal. And so when they showed up and King Herod's around, King Herod starts to take notice. There's something that's going to take place because the astrologers are here. The three kings are here. The kings of Orient are. The, all these people are here. And because they're here, something is about to take place. And that's why they go to him and tell him, hey, we're looking for the new king. And he's like, wait, hold up. I'm the king. Who are you looking for? And that's why he goes and kills babies and does all this stuff to try to kill the king. And they show up. And the truth is, is it never actually even says there was only three wise men. Did you know that they probably traveled in packs that were multiple, multiple people? It never says there was only three. It says there was three gifts. So it could have been 50 people bringing three gifts. But it's easier for our story to fit in a neat little package. I'm just giving you some history today and some, some, some genealogy. But let's read about the three kings for just a minute in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 today. It says this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. There's the pagan astrology coming in. We saw the star, and so we're coming to worship him and find him, right? And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. In you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. 
For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. So they know what's about to happen due to prophecy, due to what God has said in the past. Can I stop there for just a moment and tell you that you can have a great prediction of what's going to happen in your future by what God has already told you? Stop letting external circumstances come about you and make you doubt everything and go back to what he told you in the beginning because nothing around you is more important than what's in you. Stop letting everything that's happening to you decide how you're going to react to his promises. Come with an expectation that you have already told me. You've already promised me salvation. You've already promised me financial security. You've already promised me a family that loves me. You've already promised me eternal security. Whatever it is, you've promised me, God, and because you promised me, I will follow the stars to come to where you are. Are you with me today? So it tells them that. And then verse 7, it says, Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. That was a trick, by the way. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Please understand, pagan astrologers did not worship saviors. They worshipped stars. But there was something different about the King Jesus that when they showed up and got in his presence, they couldn't help but worship even though they had never done it before. When they stood in the presence of the Savior of the universe, it says they hit their knees and they fell on their face and they worshiped him. Wouldn't it be behooving of us and... Wouldn't it be great of us as followers that we already know who Jesus is and what he's done for us that we begin to worship him with reckless abandon more than a pagan astrologer can? That's the power of worship. Exceedingly great joy. They fell to their ground and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Man, it's amazing to me, we've already talked about them being pagan astrologers several times, but it's amazing to me that people that were far off from God, not believers, had no time for God, didn't believe in the deity of Jesus, didn't believe that all of that stuff, all they knew was that the stars were aligning to show them the king was there and that God still worked enough to move in their presence. God still said, it doesn't matter if you believe in me or not, I will always make room to connect with you. Please hear me. No one is too far away for God to make room for him. Can I tell you, that's the story of Christmas. No one is too far away for God to make, make room for them. I know, I know, the family member that keeps talking junk and sending you through hell and back, they're not too far away. I know the coworker that gets on your nerves and that you don't even want to be around. Listen to me. They're not too far away. I know what you did was terrible and it was bad and you walked away. You're not too far away. No one is too far away for God to make room for you, for him to connect with them. Pagan astrologers. And God still said, I'm going to use what you worship to connect you with my life saving grace. I'm going to bring you to a place where you can meet Jesus even though you don't believe yet. You'll walk out of here a different person. Let's talk about the expectations here of the, of the 
three wise men because they came bearing gifts that they don't always bring. These gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, we know about the gifts, but do we know that the fact that those gifts are reserved for kings? They weren't gifts that they just carried around with them everywhere they went. They were gifts of high, incredible value. In fact, think about this. Why would they bring those gifts? Well, there's several reasons, but one of the things was it's because they were expecting a king. They weren't expecting a baby. They were expecting the king. They were expecting someone of a life-saving power that they were going to give something of high value to. In fact, if you pay attention to the story after the birth, Mary and Joseph and Jesus had to go on a two-year exile and get away from everybody just so things didn't happen to them. How do you think that they paid for the exile? Because the three gifts were of so much value that they used the gold, frankincense, and myrrh in order to be okay in their exile. God provides even when you're in an exile, maybe what you had in the previous season gets you through the desert of the exile. When you feel like everybody's walked away from you, when you feel like you're by yourself, when everything's going backwards, then what you got in a previous season can get you through the exile. Somebody better shout for the exile in the place. It's what they brought that mattered. And so I want to talk to you for a moment for the next... 10 minutes that I have, praise God, about the expectation of the gifts that you bring this Christmas. Because I'm going to tell you three things that I believe God wants you to bring this Christmas, but it's only gifts that somebody will bring with high expectation. You won't bring them if you don't have high expectation. You won't bring them if you don't believe that God can do everything that he said he could do. You won't bring them if God is not who he said he was. You won't bring them if you're, if you're bound by emotion. You won't bring them if you're bound by moment. You will only bring them if you have a high expectation of God. The first one is we need to look at what they brought. They brought gold, right? They brought gold, the highest of value. The, the greatest thing that they can possibly bring, they brought to God, it, it, to Jesus, it meant so much in the moment. And I think this Christmas we need to bring something of high value and it needs to be our heart. Our heart. Can I tell you that today the highest value item that you can give God is your heart. It's not your actions. It's not your mistakes. It's not... I'm going to make this look good and the mask that you put on around everybody else whenever you go home at night and everything else is bad. It's your heart. Because from your heart, Proverbs 4.23 says this. Can you throw it on the screen? Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Why is the heart of so much value? Here's why the heart is of so much value. Because everything flows from the heart. Everything. Listen, I can put on a mask and, and I can do a, enough. Or It's just like ladies that put on makeup. Hey, it may cover up some blemishes and it may make you feel better. And it may make you look better to people that encounter you. But that night, you're going to pull it back off. And it's going to come off and you're going to look just like you always look right there in the mirror. And at some point, the mask is going to come off. But when I give him my heart, everything changes. My intentions come from the heart. My care comes from the heart. My words come from the heart. My love comes from the heart. My everything that I do, my serving comes from the heart. 
Because this is why Jesus, this is why God sent Jesus to die on the cross. And it says, for our hearts. Do you know why? Because the heart is the highest value item that he could have. Because if he gets your heart, then now everything else changes. Please look in 1 Samuel. I'm going to throw it on the screen. In 1 Samuel, it says something interesting. In verse 16 and 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height, I can't see, of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. The highest value item we can bring Jesus, the highest value item we can bring to the king this Christmas is our heart. It's not just, God, I'm trying. Man, forget trying, just be. Sometimes we need to quit trying harder and we just need to be more. Do you hear me today? Stop just trying to be a Christian and just be in love with Jesus. Give him your heart is the highest value item that he could possibly have. What kind, what kind of heart are you bringing to Jesus this Christmas? A heart submitted to him? Or a heart, is it, am I bringing my heart submitted to the king or am I submitting myself because I think I'm the king? Because whenever it rests all on me, for my financial security, my relational security, my, my abilities, my climbing the ranks, my, my emotional stability, all that stuff. Do you know who's the king then? It's not Jesus, it's me. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I need to come to a place to where I realize, Brandon, you, didn't, you weren't born in a manger through a virgin birth. You didn't die on a cross and take everything with you. You're just Brandon Goff. And he's the one that paved the way for you to be anything. Bring your heart this Christmas. That's the greatest thing. And some of you are like, well, that means salvation. It's not just salvation. Some of you, you're going to heaven. The problem is he still don't have your heart completely. The problem is we're still locking cabinets away in our heart and go, oh, Jesus, you can have anything except that. That bitterness, that anger, that frustration, that hurt, that pain, that dark area, you can't have that because if you get that and unlock that, I'm embarrassed by what it'll be. Some of us need to be embarrassed so that his light can shine. Darkness can't be where light is. Give him your whole heart today. The second thing they brought was what? Frankincense, right? So they brought frankincense to, to Jesus. And here's why. It was because everything, let's just be real, everything stunk back then. There was animals everywhere. Everything was outside. I don't know if you've ever been around a farm. It's not the greatest smelling place in the world. You ever been to a place that stinks? You still around? Are you guys alive today? You ever been to a place that stinks? You ever walked into a restaurant that stinks? What you want to do? Turn around and walk right back out, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, I am not eating food here, right? Smell determines kind of our expectation of something. So if we, my wife can't eat or drink anything, y'all anything without smelling it first. She's had approximately 4,674,000 vanilla latte brevet drinks from Starbucks. And I'm pretty right on the money with that, with that number. You know what she does before she drinks one? Smells it. I'll look at her. I'll be like, hey, babe, you need to try this. She's like, I'm like, no, eat it. I don't understand. 
But here's why frankincense mattered. Frankincense was an incense. And the incense was burned and it, it changed the smell of the atmosphere so that whenever it came around, you didn't smell the, the mess, but you smelled something that smelled good. Some of us, that's what our spirits are. We need to bring our spirits this Christmas because our spirit is what changes the atmosphere of the life that we live. Some of us, we want people to smell our mess, so we, walk, we, we spread our mess all over Facebook. We spread our mess all over somebody else's life that didn't bring the mess to begin with. It's not their mess to clean up. It was my choices, not theirs. And so everybody else has to pay for me. Everybody else has to smell my mess. Everybody else has to smell the stuff that I'm stepping in. They brought frankincense so that it changed the aroma because frankincense was the, was the smell of dignitaries, of authorities, of kings. That's what frankincense was. For many of you today, I need you to hear me today when I tell you you're walking in the authority of a king. The Bible tells me and you that we are dignitaries of the king. We are children of the king, that we are a part of the kingdom of God. And that means that I need to walk around and smell like it. My spirit determines what everybody else experiences that's around me in the atmosphere that I'm in. So, so I have to ask myself, what is my spirit changing? If it's the wrong spirit, hear me today, it'll change everything to a negative, frustrating, selfish, angry, bitter, frustrating area. The atmosphere becomes tense and hard. Or am I living my spirit with God and am I going, hey, I need the spirit of the king to change the atmosphere. When my spirit is connected with his spirit, every single thing else Changes. If you read Acts chapter 5, verse 15, if you'll throw that up there for me real quick, I'm going to read it over here because that's too small. To such an extent that they are even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. What is that scripture talking about? Hear me. That's what, here's what this scripture is saying. Peter was healing people in the power of the Spirit of God with just His shadow. They brought sick people to a place to where just His shadow might cast on them because they watched people get up off of pallets and cots. That, that sick people were healed and blind people were healed by a shadow. Why? Because His Spirit was connected to God's Spirit and it changed the atmosphere because everything smelled like He walked in the authority of a king, like He was authoritative, like He was a part of a kingdom. As Hebrew says, it cannot ever be shaken. People brought from afar because they wanted somebody to experience life-giving Savior, a life-giving power, and yet we want everybody to smell our mess because it gives us attention, but Jesus wants everybody to smell his glory because it gives him attention. Come on, somebody. Bring your, bring your spirit. Bring your heart. My rapping is beautiful, except it wasn't mine. Bring your heart. Bring your spirit. And the last thing they brought in closing, the last thing they brought was myrrh. Myrrh. What is myrrh? It sounds like something you say when you're aggravated. Myrrh. 
Some a goat says. Myrrh was actually anointing oil. Why would they bring a king anointing oil? Because when the king anointed something, it released favor. It paved a way for progress. And it made what he was, the one he was anointing and the purpose he was anointing for, it brought him out. And so this Christmas, I was thinking about it, I was praying, and I just feel like we just need to bring some relationships to the king. Well, why, would, why, why relationships? That's kind of weird to be with myrrh. Here's why. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it's not going to come on the screen. Just write that down so you can go read it. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul specifically and very, just very openly, very candidly tells us that every person that has breath has a role to play in the kingdom of God. In other words, every person that has breath, hear me today, it says is a part of the body of Christ. In other words, we are all ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Maybe somebody you're connected to isn't walking in their purpose in the body of Christ because we haven't brought the gift of our relationship with them to God yet. And God's anointing flows. His myrrh, his anointing oil, opens up favor for them. It opens up progress for them, opens up ability for them. And God looks and goes, I anointed you from the day before you were born. I gave you this purpose. And now that they've brought you to a place to where you can come into the life-saving knowledge of Jesus and you've accepted that, my anointing will flow over you and you will now walk into new areas and into new places. You don't have to tread back to where you've been, but there's purpose in your life. There's purpose in your bones. And because they brought the gift of a relationship with you to me all of a sudden my anointing has locked unlocked things in you that you never thought were in you do you know why you're here today because somebody cared enough to tell you about radiate church about jesus about the kingdom do you know why i get up here and do this every single week it's sure not because i feel like it all the time it's because i care enough about you to tell you the truth about the kingdom of god do you know why people get up at 5 o'clock every Sunday morning to get here by 6 or 6.30 so that they can set up environments for your kids and for you? It's because they care enough about you to do something about it. Hear me today. We bring our hearts. We bring our spirits. And if you got a relationship with somebody, I don't care if it's a work relationship. I, I, I don't care if it's an acquaintance relationship. I don't care if it's a family relationship. I don't even care if it's a strained relationship. You aren't in relationship with people by accident. You're in relationship with people because it is a gift that God wants so his anointing can flow over them. This Christmas, I'm going to be very bold. If we let the day go by and we're not inviting people to Christmas in Elgin, we're looking at them and going, I don't care how you celebrate Christmas, but you can go to hell because I'm not going to introduce you to Jesus. Let's just call it what it is. If there's a day that goes by that I'm not looking at somebody that I'm in relationship with and telling them about the life-giving power of Jesus, inviting them to church, praying for them, being with them, I'm looking at them and going, I don't care enough about your eternity to invest anything other than a superficial relationship. Are you with me? I know, I know, I know. That's bold. Yes, because it's true. 
What if our relationships were a mission field instead of a, a something we could brag about? So this Christmas, we only can bring these three things with high expectations. And I don't know about you, but I know when I give God my heart, I don't have to worry about it again. Because he's got my best interest in mind. I, I know when I give God my spirit and I connect my spirit to his, I know that all of a sudden, everything in the atmosphere where I go is changing and shifting. And I know that when I bring my relationships to the king, like I'm not talking about, no, I'm not going and I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna give up after the first try. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, I care too much to give up. When I bring my relationships to the king, anointing begins to flow. Because now I'm not living my life based on me, but I'm also living my life based on what he can do for others. Jesus' entire existence, hear me, I talked about this last week. His entire ministry was based on one thing, people. That was it. He didn't need a microphone. He didn't need lights. He didn't need a stage. He didn't need illustrations. He needed a hill where 5,000 plus people would gather and just hear how good he is. Today, I want to encourage you to do two things. One, if you're in the room and you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're not walking in a relationship with him. You're not saved. Honestly, if it was all over today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. You don't know what would happen. I'm here to tell you that this right here is the greatest gift you can give him at any point. We're going to see a lot of people do that next Sunday. But what if we did it again this week? Because some of you, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait seven more days. I think it's time today. And then the second thing is, will you connect your spirit with his as you bring people next week? Will you make it a personal mission? that you come with at least one other person next week. So that, here's, here's why. It's not so that I can preach. I'm going to preach to an empty room. Trust me, I've done it. But it's so that the anointing of the king can open something up for them. And we can walk this out together and change the world. Would you bow your heads with me today? If there's anybody in the room that would say, Pastor, I, I need to give my life to Jesus today. He died on a cross to give me hope and life, give me a future that I don't deserve, but I need salvation today. Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my life. I want to give him everything I've got, and I want to walk with him, not in perfection, but I just want to walk in with him in obedience. If that's you today and you'd say, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer of salvation, would you just hold your hand up right where you are today, right in the room, just hold it up high. We're just going to put something in your hand so that we can walk with you in this journey and we can do this together. Amen. Now, if you would just stand to your feet today, we're going to pray and we're going to send this thing out right and we're going to ask God to connect our spirit to his. We're going to ask God to send us home with questions that we can ask ourselves to make ourselves better. And we're going to ask God to allow our relationships to join us 
next week as we celebrate Christmas. Father, we honor you. We give you everything. God, I pray that today that you would open up questions and thoughts in our minds so that we can walk into the life-giving knowledge of Jesus. God, I pray, I thank you for every single person that's in the room today. The God, that we are sons and daughters of the King. God, I pray that right now in this moment, Father, that our spirits would connect to yours. God, that means reading the word, knowing the word, worshiping. That means walking in your presence every single day. God, would you help us with that? Connect our spirit to yours, God. God, let us walk into a place to where we can know you every day of our lives. And Father, I pray that every person we invite this week, all of our relationships, God, that they would be open to invitation. And God, that next Sunday, that we would see a record amount of salvations in these services. God, that you would be glorified on Christmas. And God, that we would see the King's anointing flow through our friends, our families, and our neighbors. And anointing would flow, purpose would unlock, and greatness would come forth. God, we honor you, and we give you everything we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Radiate Church, I love you. I can't wait to see you at all three services next Sunday, Christmas in Elgin. They got more invites for you in the back. Go see Santa. Let's have a great week, and let's go change the world. See you next week.